0: This is Blurring the Lines with Adam Bell and Peter Nicolaitis, IT entrepreneurs. Adam and Peter take on the topics of technology, business, life, and the pursuit of happiness and blur them together in the 21st century. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, or good percent greeting time percent, as we used to say in Novell. Welcome to another thrilling, exciting, action-packed, and fun-filled episode of the Blurring the Lines podcast. My name is Peter Nikolaitis. I will be your host today. And with me, as always, my co-host, Adam Bell. Welcome, Adam. How's it going? It's going well. It's going well. I had a decent week. You had had a decent week? week? Yep. Yep, not too shabby. So, uh, yeah, how about you? Hey, yeah,
1: yeah. it's actually been a really good week. The weather has been awesome here in Tennessee. We've had under 80 for a few of those days, wow. and uh, it's really nice out right now. It feels like a nice fall day.
0: That's what it feels like here today. It's, uh, it's 74 right now. Nice. Not normally what I would call fall. It's probably what you would call fall. Yeah. <laughs> but, but there's a nice breeze. I've got the windows open. Well, I had all the windows open on both sides of both sides of the house on all three floors just to let some airflow go through. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I made chicken wings a couple of nights ago and threw the wrapper in the trash, which this morning made the entire first floor smell like dead chicken. <laughs> yes. So I opened everything up and that was great. Um, and the only track, uh, the only, the only downside to doing that is that my neighbor smokes and it wafts. Yeah. Right. And
2: so yeah, so I smile.
0: closed the windows on, yeah one side of the house we still got a decent cross breeze going on though.
1: Yeah. Well, cool. Well, my house. So have you ever lived in a house that has been designed by an architect? And I don't mean like, you know, every house. Yeah. I I never have either, but I have a client that is an architect and he built his office and, uh, his first office was behind his house. So, So he was able to orient the the building exactly the way that he wanted it for sunshine, for airflow, for light inside. Mm -hmm. It was so, it was such a pleasant place to work in and it really wasn't that big and it really wasn't, you know, like impressive, like architecturally like what he did, you know, it's not, it wasn't really anything special, but the way that he did everything, the placement just made it so pleasant to be there. The sunshine was at the exact right spot all the time. The airflow in the spring and fall was just perfect in there. You know, you could work and enjoy the breeze. So if I ever get the opportunity to build a house and have a architect, you know, a, actually design it and figure it out, I'm going to let them do it because I think it'd be totally worth
0: it. Put a little thought into things. Yeah.
1: Rather than go uh, up with a bunch of lumber
0: and start hammering boards together.
1: Yeah. w well, the orientation design of my house was face the curb. So, you know, but part of the boneheaded thing is I have a bathroom window. So I have um, a bathroom window on one side of the house and two windows at the front side of the house in the bedroom which would make a perfect draft, a perfect draft of wind running through there. But you know what? The bathroom window does not open. It's a solid piece of glass. <laughs> <laughs> I had a house
0: like that once.
1: <laughs> yeah well and i we've been here for i don't know how many years 97 so going on 12 years <laughs> right, uh, so you here 97 years
0: <laughs> 97 years i look great uh, I've but, Been in my family for three generations <laughs>
1: <laughs> but you know i really need to get somebody to come out and replace the window because this is a third story window and i don't feel comfortable doing it myself uh just because of the 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 risk you know messing with glass like that sounds like a good task
0: to outsource yeah yeah
1: but I would love to have a cross through we talk about it every spring we're like yeah the breeze is blowing nice too bad it doesn't blow through here
0: <laughs> you know it's funny you mentioned this because I mean I think I think we're we we're we're gonna touch on something similar in the main topic today <laughs> yeah. that, that was totally unplanned yeah so. <laughs> Uh, okay, good. I'm just making a note here. <laughs> That's great. Ah, uh, so, all right. Well, cool. So, so the, the weather is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, that sort of leads me into the health check section. If you want to Yeah, go. Let's, let's go. Um, so I have been running more as we know
2: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, I wouldn't, say that i formalized the plan in any way um but i did modify it a little bit now we last recorded on may 24th right right so as of may 24th i was doing 5k regularly that was okay. my thing and um so generally i got to that point some time ago and i would just do 5k and hey, remind me 5k is
1: like three 10. and a half miles 3.1 Three point one miles. Okay. Three
0: point one one miles. So okay. point uh, a kilometer is like sixty-two and a half percent of a mile. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so so five k is. Um, hang on a second. So 5K uh, is, you know, it's a it's a standard. A lot of people have it. There's the whole couch to 5K plan, you know, people mm-hmm. come in 5Ks. And, and I don't, you know, claim to have any, like, super stellar times or anything. Mm-hmm. You know, I was talking with one of my coworkers a couple of weeks ago when I was on site. And he mentioned, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that's a picture. His picture of himself is on his background, him wearing a little running bib there. He's <laughs> like, yeah, my wife and I, uh, we did a half marathon. We did a seven-minute, you know, per mile pace the whole time. I was like, whoa. Nice. Like, my fastest pace to date for a mile is, like, eight minutes and 16 seconds or something. Okay. Not <laughs> anywhere close, right? Yeah. Um, and I can usually, you know, be in the nines when, um, when I'm like doing like a 5k or something, mm-hmm. but on my longest run to date, I was doing a 10 minute, uh, per mile average. Okay. I'll get back to that in a second. <laughs> so we recorded on May 24th. Mm-hmm. Uh, wait, May 24th, 24th. Yes. 24. So, so at that point I had been running 5k. Right. May 25th, I decided to, well, not May 25th, but, but um, on April 6th, I decided to up the game and I was, no, wait, so that's all wrong. Hold on a second. No, May 6th, I, I did five miles. Wait, this doesn't make sense. Yes, okay, now it makes sense. I've got it. Now I'm looking at my timeline and I got all this work. So no, the last time we typed, I was doing five miles. Mm-hmm. And so I was hovering at five K for a long time, 3.1 miles. During the month of April, I decided to push it up and take it to five miles, which I did in on May 6th. So it took me a month to go from three miles to five miles. Mm -hmm. May 25th, I went after running five miles regularly. I jumped it up to 10 K, which is 6.25 miles. Nice. I did that twice. (laughs) <laughs> then on June first, I decided, what the hell? I went for 10 miles. Uh-huh. Because you and listener of the show and good friend of mine, Scott Wilsey, both had the same reaction after they heard how far I was running, you know, doing 10k. They're like, You're ready for a half marathon. <laughs> like, well, if everybody keeps telling me that, maybe I am. I don't know. Yeah. Didn't quite do a half marathon, but I just shoot, you know, I'm I'm going in chunks of fives and tens. But mm-hmm. so I was like, let me just do ten miles. So Mm -hmm. I just went out on Saturday afternoon and headed that way, went through four different cities in the greater Boston area, (laughs) went away for five miles, got away out out there. I did stop for just a minute to stretch at the five-mile mark, Mm -hmm. and then begrudgingly started back up again and came (laughs) back. And my (laughs) pace was around 10 minutes per mile the entire time. That's good. It was was a pretty warm day. It was kind of, you know, it wasn't super hot and stuff, but – there was a lot of sweat involved, a lot of heavy breathing. Yeah, and, uh, uh, no.
1: that's. Did you carry water? No. Okay.
0: Nope. it was should, it was two hours. You know, it was like yeah. an hour hour and forty minutes total. You know, uh, whatever hour hour. Well, ten ten times ten, so a hundred minutes. Yeah, so, you
1: you ought to tote a little bit of water when you're doing well, that run.
0: Well, that's what my 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 friend Charlie, my former roommate who was the marathon coach, was like. Yeah, when you start getting the longer runs, you should you know you're going to have to start carrying water with you. And <laughs> yeah. I, I felt okay, you know, I thought mm-hmm. it was all right the whole time. But um, yeah, the only downside is ever since I started doing the ten Ks, my pointer finger toes, my big my big not 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 the big toe, but the one the next big. to it. Yeah um it started on the right side where the nail was digging into the flesh a Mm -hmm. little bit and so what happened was like the 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 flesh just got calloused because it was just getting dug into you know Mm -hmm. really really hard and the nail was kind of tender for a a day or so yeah after a couple days um the nail actually bruised a little bit low down and I thought that the solution would be to let the nail grow a little longer so that it wasn't digging in. But mm-hmm. Charlie told me, no, you want to you know, keep the nails short, 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 which I normally do. So I actually just went back to, you know, keeping them short again. And yeah. they're still a little tender because it's, it's my longest toe. Mm-hmm. So it, it gets a little bit of force there, you know, like towards the end of the run. And usually for a day after the run, it's a little tender, Uh, Um, last one wasn't so bad. Um, I did 5k as a recovery run today and I did 10k two days ago. And, um, so I'm trying, I forget exactly the days, but he he told me I should be on like a three mile, six mile, nine mile rotation. So it's like, I think he meant, I got to check on this, but I think he meant like three miles this day, six miles next time, three miles next time, nine miles next time, three, you know, like three, six, three, nine, three, six, three, nine. Yeah. So, um, I was, was like, all right, but anyway, I'm enjoying it. Um, you know, I'm not breaking any speed records, but, Mm -hmm. um, feels great. And, you know, basically come home and eat and drink anything I want again. So that's a nice feeling. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I think
1: think they call that hammer toe. Hammer toe. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay. I (laughs) I will look that up. (laughs) that sounds good anyway if you if you're interested though in the um uh, the, the methodology and the formal process that i use to arrive at this i did blog all about it on my blog cool so, and it's still the sticky it's the post at the top at com. so check it out
1: cool well i didn't run as far as you did today but we did a we did a pretty good workout um at the gym, we did uh, it. was a five round workout, but it included a 200 meter run with a 50 pound bag carrying that. And we did five rounds. And then he also did a, run, a 200 meter run without a bag. So I ran 2,000 meters today, one of them, 1, 000. yeah, 1,000 of those encumbered. So
0: that's pretty impressive. <laughs> I, I think I would get winded if I had to just carry a 50-pound bag upstairs. <laughs> well, what's
1: interesting is, you know, I've had lots of back problems over time, and, and I do everything I can to keep it strong. I do, you know, do a lot of ab workout. I do a lot of back stretching to try to keep it, you know, from straining. Uh, but, it, you know, in an effort to help Per, you know, protect my back while I was running with that weight. I wore my weight belt. Well, the weight belt then constricts my diaphragm from getting all the air that I need. Yeah. <laughs> but I was willing to have less air than having back pain.
0: <laughs> I suppose there's a, you know, everything's a compromise trade off. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so,
0: well, cool. All right. Well, that's cool um so that's our health check so Mm -hmm. i think reasonably healthy um yep yep i'm I'm still you know like fighting some shoulder pain getting back uh you saw you saw me i mean we don't publish the video nor well do you publish the video now i forget i do okay so 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 you may be seeing me doing my physical therapy exercises in the background Mm with someone they're just trying to get the shoulder back in on track you remember
1: those Hmm? you remember those dumbbells that were supposed to like vibrate in your hand that jerked up and down like you put them it's a dumbbell and then it physically moved up and down in your handle like generate this
0: shake exactly was that supposed to be preparing you for <laughs> it was supposed to
1: be like uh i don't know it had to some it it was somebody's theory not my theory that the the vibrations in the weight making it unstable would cause you to use more stabilization muscles to maintain the weight
0: that sounds familiar because the last time when i was in physical therapy after my shoulder surgery they had this i think i can't remember what it's called but it was like um a bow think of like bow and like bow and arrow kind of thing uh-huh. it was a stick you held out but it would wobble and you yeah. would you know like wobble it back and forth so it was like that but it was a you know like 4 feet long or so Mm -hmm. You just start by giving it a little bit of a a shake. And then that, you know, starts making this giant sine wave throughout. it, And then it's actually a challenge to hold it stable when you're doing that. So it's like along, along the same lines, similar thoughts.
1: Yeah. I don't know how popular they became, but I know we made fun of them a lot. (laughs)
0: I think that tells you about the popularity contest right there. Yeah. So, so, hey, uh, last weekend I went to a security conference. Okay. Uh, It was originally created, the first time they named it, it was called the uh, Social Engineering Rhode Island Conference. Mm -hmm. And then by the time we got there for the first ever uh, conference, they renamed it to the Layer 8 Conference. Okay. Now, if you know anything about networking, you know that um, there's this conceptual model called the OSI model, Mm -hmm. and it consists of of seven layers. Mm -hmm. It's all the way down at the physical layer and working its way up to the application layer, which is number seven. But most of the security problems we have today are Are, in layer eight.
1: They are in layer eight.
0: Which is the human layer. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs>
0: right. so essentially it's all about social engineering
1: mm-hmm.
0: and um the first talk that i saw i got there and it already had started was about um pickpockets uh-huh okay and this guy chris kirsch who's a big social engineer and uh, you know like pen tester and stuff He did his talk on that and he researched He said it's always been kind of like a a hobby for him, but I talked with him later. And he said it's something, he kind of like researched hardcore for like six months and put a lot of effort into it. So he gave, you know, some good examples, real world demonstrations of Mm pickpocketing and showed a lot of videos, including some like real criminals in, um, I want to say Naples. One of the uh, one of the uh, Italian cities, and also had like some like security alerts from um, the Strasbourg, Germany. Uh, I mean Strasbourg, France, uh, tourist uh, you know agency and stuff of warning people about pickpockets. Uh-huh. Be funny because I was just in Strasbourg a few months ago, <laughs> um, but they had like you know these criminals like willing to be on camera and demonstrate all of their techniques and stuff. Huh. It was very interesting. And then to finish up his demonstration, he said, okay, well, if you're interested in practicing this, here's the rules. We're going to have a live pickpocketing, like a, uh, uh, you know, capture the flag kind of thing. And for every attempt, because we want people to at least try, for every attempt you make, whether you're successful or not, you get one point. Right. So even if you walk up to me and just reach for my wallet and I turn around and say, hey, what are you doing? Then, you know, you got a point for trying Mm -hmm. 10 points for success. Uh So now uh, the trick is, though, it's green items only. So he had a bunch of these fluorescent green labels, you know, like Avery mailing labels. Right. And so you put them on and they said, I consent to being pickpocketed green items only. And he also had a bunch of fluorescent green um, ID badges. So something that might look like, you know, a work ID badge and he had them on these little, you know, extendy type belt clips, right? Uh, But it was just like blank fluorescent green thing, right? Um, He had a bunch of them, like roughly the size and shape of a wallet, you know, but like just with like coated with fluorescent green tape Right. Up, then um, keys that were like, you know, clip onto your belt loops and stuff. Okay. So I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. So uh, so the talk broke up and we went out and, you know, we're talking out in the hallway and, you know, some guys were chatting like, well, how does this work? How do we get started? And, and like one guy clumsily like reached for my belt tag, you know, like sitting right. I was just like, no, dude, I, yeah, I saw that coming a mile away. Come on. <laughs> then I turn and who's behind me, but the speaker <laughs> Some other guy, his back is turned to me. And I look and I see he's got his badge just hanging out in plain sight. And I walk right up and i <laughs> <laughs> over. That's it. That's it. I just took the presenter's badge. I'm quitting while I'm ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or so I thought. <laughs> huh. Later on, the next uh, two, two talks later, he was moderating one of the talks that was going on. And the guy sitting in front of me had a question. So the former speaker was walking around carrying the microphone around to everybody so that you could hear the questions from the audience. And he kneels down in front of me, ready to hold the mic for the guy when it's his turn to speak. Right. He's got another badge sitting right there. And I'm just like, I was just trying to reach. <laughs> I couldn't quite get it. Unfortunately, he saw me. And then I tried in the end to put his badge back on him <laughs> back on him, and I couldn't quite do it I, I just I thought it would be awesome if I could take it away <laughs> modify the badge clone it or something right and then yeah. restore, you know restore it to him so didn't quite get it but I I still left there with you know on pretty high hopes you know or yeah. on, on a high note I should say
1: yeah so you, you tricky Greek Germans
0: yes we're, we're very <laughs> tricky Uh, I also um, sat in on another interesting talk called uh, everything old is new again. Okay. And it was all essentially saying how like all of these social engineering schemes and stuff. They're really just cons, you know, con artist stuff and nothing is new yeah uh you know going back to classics like the pigeon drop the the grand the grandchild that never was the pig in a poke they've got all these different names for all these things and some of them get kind of elaborate Mm -hmm. Uh, but these are not new ideas you know it's just that like we're in such a fast-paced need-it-now environment that they just work a lot better Now (laughs) over email and phone and stuff, because we have so little attention span that we can devote to stuff like this. Right. So um, it was good. It was pretty cool. I've struck up a Twitter conversation (coughs) with the presenters. So uh, I'm planning on um, citing their, their uh, work and in my own, I'm going to be doing a similar uh, talk for um, user education awareness coming up uh, at the hospital sometime uh, later this year. So I figured I would incorporate some of those things. And since I'm back to school now, I know how to properly cite sources (laughs) and and give credit where credit is due and not plagiarize. So yay, go me. Yeah. Except
1: now you have to copy and paste that silly long URL.
0: (laughs) There's a really cool website called citationmachine.net, which does a lot of the heavy lifting for you. Ah, okay. (laughs) There you go. Cool.
1: Cool. Well, you have to do the presentation here. Okay. I yep. <laughs> you
0: might just have to dry run it on the podcast. Why not? Mm-hmm. Yep. We here can we make, a- make a webinar out of it. Have you done any of those recently? Uh, Nope, but I've got the content for one.
1: Well, Elizabeth. I've uh, been training Elizabeth to do the webinars and, you know, she's. She's got it now. I sit nearby to correct if there's any correction to be made, and if uh, somebody asks a question and she doesn't have the answer.
0: Cool. All yeah. right. <laughs> All
1: right.
0: Well, why don't we get into our main topic today?
1: Well, it, it wasn't really a main topic. That was just a, uh, uh, something I threw in there, but I was like, yeah. But, so I'm, I'm in process of reading the Harry Potter books over
0: again. Okay. Have, you, have you read them? I have not read any of them. Saw all the movies. Read none of the books. You should read the books. Uh, I've they, been told they
1: are a fun read. Uh, in in all in in true form, you know, it's impossible to get everything in the book in the movies. Uh, they, I mean, I guess they did a did a fine job. I mean, but I'm sure purists would be angry with it, you know. And I've I watched the movies and I was like, how do people keep up with the storyline here? I mean, I don't know how anybody would know all the things that why he's doing that and why she said that without, you know, having read the book, but I was like, yeah, right. it's fine. Uh, but the books are really good. Uh, and they're, they're an easy read, really. I mean, yep. you, you can just fly through them, but
0: on audio,
1: but the, the, the thing that was, uh, interesting is they, they do, you know, like they're I'm in book six, the half blood Prince, right now. And there was one part where, uh, Ron has spell check on his quill. So he's writing <laughs> and he's writing and his words are coming out messed up. He says, oh, I think spell checks broken on this quill, you know, I was thinking, you know, of all the things that we can do with, you know, all the things that they could do with magic, you know, there's all these things that we can do with technology to make life easier and make life better. I guess it wouldn't be as interesting for them to use magic that appears to be like electricity does and just makes something simple and easy to use. But why would you live in a drafty castle and wear robes? Robes are so impractical. You know, you wanna you wanna run, and you've got a robe on. It's very impractical. You Party want in, in robes. If you want to, you know, fight a creature, or if you want to mix potions or whatever, you know, with a big old robe on, it seemed like that'd be a lousy. Yeah, you know,
0: we've I guess. done it this way, though. I mean, you know, it's tradition. Fiddler on the roof. You know. Yeah. You know, and if you're
1: gonna write, why would you write with a quill? I mean you've got all these other why in the world would you write with a quill you can't make an, a pen that uh would push ink down through there magically i, I don't know or you know never it's need a it. fountain quill a fountain quill yeah, yeah. I know although i went i went to a client or i went to a potential client's office and he had a quill like pen it was like curved like a quill tip but it was a regular pen at the huh, that's interesting. I don't know how well that would write or whatever.
0: Mm. Yeah, I tried making my own quill pen out of a feather. I remember when I was a kid and stuff, and I just didn't really get it, Yeah. Yeah. I think it, w- it wasn't really sucking up the ink so much. It was just like some of it was pooling on the end of the quill and so I'd yeah. like dip it, write a letter, dip it again, write a letter. I was like, this is ridiculous.
1: <laughs> yeah. He did, yeah that feather needed some management.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Some, some managed, feather services or something. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah. So like I said, that wasn't really like a topic topic, but I was just thinking about that. I was like, but I I guess it's a fiction, it's a fictional book and you want it to be, you know, there's, there's romance. People have a a romance with old things. The good, the good old days, the good old days. And those things are a lot of good old days. and, And they just, they just never work. You know, like, even i mean i every once in a while i'll remember a game that i really enjoyed like i was digging through my stuff and i've got this really old tandy 1000 game street rod whoa
0: and it <laughs> even even says on it blast from the past <laughs> yeah
1: wow yeah. uh distributed right. by ead you know uh EGA, CGA, Hercules, 512K, Tandy, 16 color, 64, 640K.
0: I Brand. never had Hercules graphics. <laughs> but, so I
1: I, uh, I played that game and I, I looked for it. I looked for it as an emulator. I was like, surely it's out there. And I found it as an emulator. I put it on DOS box and I played it on my computer. And uh, it was fun for about... 15 minutes, you uh-huh. know, uh, I remembered how awesome the game was. And then, then it got, eh, this is kind of boring.
0: <laughs> you know, yeah, I, you, know I, you know what I did, what I did, I was like that ramp. What's that? Which, what rampage after yeah. the movie came out a year or two ago with the uh, Dwayne Johnson. Yep. I downloaded the original, you know, uh, image and played it in a DOS box. And I was like, you know, this was a lot more fun when I was a kid in the arcade. <laughs> yeah. didn't quite capture it so
1: <laughs> yeah so so writing with quills and living in a cat you know because i used to think oh it'd be so awesome to live in a castle no it no. really wouldn't yeah kind of suck it'd be dank it'd be cold, cold it'd be drafty drafty it'd be dark yep. yeah because uh you know like i was talking about the architectural house there the thing that i liked about it is how airy it felt and how bright it felt and how, you know, that's not a castle. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's cold. It kind of smells like poo.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yuck. (laughs) (laughs) So question for you, Uh what sort of uh, outside of your business, what do you do for investing? Um, So I have, um,
1: and I have for, for years, I've got, um, a wealth management dude at Southwestern investments and he's part of Raymond James. And so I do different funds, you know, based on the four quadrants of, you know, um, blue stock, you know, aggressive growth, the, you know, international, and Mm -hmm. then some other one.
0: What, what are you paying for those services? Um,
1: well, uh, they have reached, they've adjusted the fee structure now to where it's more transparent what those guys get paid. Yeah. Um, so they're getting paid a percentage of what they have under management, which really right. is, isn't an awful lot. I mean, for, for what they're, what they do. Um, I mean, of course that's a regulated body uh, and he's only charging me the regulated cost for that service. I know, cause I spent, I spent six and a half years in the, the financial industry.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: so there, the other wealth managers, you know, really good ones um, who are, you know, just really good at their job. They may charge a lot more. They may charge like 10% or Ooh. You know, but it's, it's like anything else, you know, if, if they make a higher percentage and they make you more money, you're, you're willing to pay that percentage.
0: So here's the question on that note, and this brings me into, I guess the most, my nifty for this week would be that book that I told you about by Ramit Seti, which is uh, entitled I Will Teach You to Be Rich. Mm-hmm. So He just had the second edition came out and i looked for it on the library and they only had the first edition but then i noticed that it was available in hoopla and when Uh i clicked over to hoopla they had the second edition cool so i got it and i had uh, my you know phone read it to me mostly um and he's got me thinking over again because i've been using td ameritrade's advisor services Mm -hmm. and i also am paying them a percentage of my wealth under management Mm -hmm. Um, so they're incentivized to do more but the thing is you know they've created this diversified portfolio for me and we're not quite keeping up with the market i forget what the market has done in the last six months or so Mm -hmm. but it was like 12 percent or so and my portfolio did like eight okay Um, and again then they're going to take off you know out their whatever 0.8% or 1% or, you know, whatever they're getting for their fee. Here's the question I'm asking though. If I had just put it into a Vanguard target date fund, it's also Mm -hmm. fairly well diversified. Mm -hmm. it automatically adjusts itself so like over time more stock less aggressive i'm sorry less stock more aggressive less you know more bonds and stuff so you start out like stock heavy bond light and then over time it, it adjusts why am i paying an advisor to do essentially what a target date fund would do for a much lower fee that's the question that the book has me asking and i haven't gotten a great answer Mm but before i go and you know like tell them to like okay i'm out just liquidate everything and and stuff because i think the way it works is like they do a bunch of buys and sells i don't seem to be paying transaction fees on those buys and sells Mm -hmm. so like if they say you know like buy 50 shares of iws or whatnot i don't think i get Charged a fee for that transaction, right? Whereas if I was to say I want to buy those, I would get charged that fee. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm just like I don't understand. You know, like why am I not doing something that's also fairly well diversified and, if not beating, doing darn close to what the market is doing?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, there's, of course, the human factor and the service factor. Um, you know, I would want to calculate how much service that I'm getting out of that person uh, versus how much you need. Uh, So like I had a call with with my advisor and just recently, and I told him, you know, of course, I don't have a whole lot of calls with him, but I do talk to him two or three times a year. Mm -hmm. And how much would that consulting cost and how much would that be worth? Uh, Because like, you know, Ashlyn's going to college this year. So right. I had to ask him about how do I handle this and what is his, what are his other clients doing? And here's my scenario. Uh, what should we do? You know, and I think he gave me good advice because he had advice to give around his other clients who had done similar things and other things that he had seen not go well. Uh, so There's some value in in that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And then just manual, you know, you and I have talked about it where we forgot to do something, forgot to pay something.
0: Right. But but again, a target date fund automates all of that.
1: Yeah, but it could automatically keep doing something that you might want to stop Mm. because, well, let's say like in 2008, you know, the process was moving to a different type of fund. Well, at this particular time, Mm -hmm. the best thing to be doing would be to buy rather than sell that, you know, you bought it at a hundred and it's selling for a quarter. Well, (laughs)
0: but but I think, the, I mean, these these target date funds have people behind the wheel there. So there
1: are people, okay.
0: Yeah, this is not a complete robo-investor kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, now that's an option too. There's like Wealthfront.com and mm-hmm. TD Ameritrade. They have their own robo-investor service, which I think is like 0.35%, you know, 0.35% mm-hmm. of a charge. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, they upsell you on the human factor. But the more I'm hearing is the like, unless you're Warren Buffett, humans aren't beating the market. You know, like, so like, mm-hmm. and, and even Warren Buffett has made mistakes. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, like, uh, I read, uh, in uh, the book, uh, the checklist manifesto, I think it was where mm-hmm. he goes about like one of the biggest mistakes he went where he veered away for whatever reason from his own checklist, he got emotional, <laughs> didn't yeah. follow his own procedure and boom tanked. Mm-hmm. So it's like, this is a formula. It's a process. Yeah. Why am I paying a human to do anything? If anything, I'm 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 afraid these people might muck it up now the more I think about it that they may Yeah, if they're not following the process. Yeah. They're humans. They're gonna make mistakes eventually. You mm-hmm. know? It's like so I've been really thinking that over and I don't wanna make anything, you know, rash and you know, do any rash decisions and, and stuff. Yeah. But I
1: don't know. I mean it's not a bad question to ask to compare, yeah. you know. I mean, what am I getting out of what do I, you know?
0: Yeah, because before then, before I, I signed on with them late last year, I was heavily invested into the van, one of the Vanguard uh, S&P 500 index funds
2: mm-hmm.
0: and then a bunch of other stuff that I was just playing with, including a large chunk of Amazon, which I bought right before our president made some disparaging remarks against them, which caused <laughs> tank. Thank so you very like, much. Okay, great. Axe lost harvesting, you know, and uh, the, so I tried to make it up there, but it's like, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm, th- this book has gotten me really thinking about, um, you know, revisiting things. So there was not a lot of new material for me in the book. Mm-hmm. A lot of it starts out, you know, but I think you and I probably know plenty of people who would benefit a lot from it.
1: Yeah. Um, I think I'll read it just because I've got a, I've got seven credits in Audible right now. Oh,
0: yeah, there you go. If and there's handy. a, su-
1: there's a summary in there for two dollars and seventy six cents. I could do too.
0: Right. Well, yeah. You can. <laughs> Maybe. All, I, I I don't know that it needs to be summarized. I think it's a pretty quick read. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I I thought uh, like like right off the bat, I you know his his humor and stuff. I I got it, and it's you know it's pretty cool um and i had heard him um like a lot of it is has to do with attitude and Mm -hmm. defining things you know he's like it's it's got the sensationalist title you know i will teach you to be rich so like right up there with the four hour work week right yeah um but he talks about um he breaks things down into like a six-week plan so uh first off like a lot of people have credit card debt so work on your credit card debt, and shows how to reduce what you're paying. You know what you're paying in fees, and get some real value from your card. You know, get a rewards card that's paying you back. Um, set up the right bank accounts, and he names names. He's just like Bank of America, Wells Fargo. You are dead to me. You know, you're you're <laughs> horrible companies. You're scum. And he you know, he goes and like points out their recent things. You know, with opening up fake accounts and all that kind of cr- costing people their homes and stuff. Yeah. I mean, this is like that, that stuff really ticks me off too. I was like, and they're still, I can't believe they're still around. They're still allowed, allowed to be in business. Mm-hmm. Um, then anyway, um, week three, he covers, um, like, uh, how to open up a 401k plan. And, mm-hmm. you know, again, for this, like, well, if you have this much, and again, a lot of it is geared towards, let's say millennials or people who are, you know, maybe people of your, and my generation, but we're a little bit lagging behind. Yeah. Um, talks about oh you should get a Roth IRA pretty sure you and I wouldn't qualify for a Roth IRA think we'd probably make a little too much money to put into that so like you know his number one piece of advice doesn't kind of apply but mm-hmm. just reading the book though it's like you know I had some spare cash lying around it's like you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna invest some more it's gotten me a little more excited in investing again Um, He also goes through how to track what you're spending and make a decent budget and figure out what you want to spend on things, uh, how to automate your investments and stuff. And then uh, if you do want to go about picking stocks or picking individual index funds, how to go about doing that, which he doesn't recommend though. He doesn't recommend, you know, like you buy individual stocks. If anything, you know, it's like how to pick different funds. But, um, but the quick fix, you know, like he says, the 85% solution is just pick a target date fund. And mm-hmm. to that end, through the hospital, I have a target date fund, a state street, you know, so it's the state street 20-whatever retirement fund. My investment advisor with TD Ameritrade said, yeah, those are pretty good. So you probably, you know, we'll factor that in, but you want to just leave that money in there. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, if it's pretty good over there, why don't I, you know, I don't know. So anyway, that's, what's on my mind and my nifty for this week. I will teach you to be rich by Ramit Sethi.
1: So just, uh, I I was curious about the, the Roth IRA limit, uh, because so the single individuals, the, for 2019, the limit is 137,000. You can't, file into your Roth, but married filing jointly is 203,000. So, I still qualify I, no. I qualify for the married filing jointly, so but you, you can only IRA. Yeah, so but you can only put in um, 6 well, it, I think it moved to 7,000. No, it's 6,000. $6,000 limit is the most that I can put into the Roth.
0: Right. And that's the thing is like for me, I think I'm beyond Roth. I don't think I can get anything out of a Roth anymore. Any benefit out of that? Mm -hmm. Um, But I max out my 401k through the hospital now. Yeah. Prior to that, I was just dumping everything I could into my um, uh, my simple IRA through Mm -hmm. through Paradigm. Yeah. The limits are actually a little higher through a 401k, and you you know whatever you put into one, it's an aggregate amount, you know, top tax free. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think it was, let's say 18 and a half or 19,000 this year. Yeah. Um, you know, so I just have it set at the beginning of the year. I just, um, I, when I adjust my allocations and my payroll deductions mm-hmm. hospital, I just say put 100% into the retirement plan. Yeah. And then for the first, you know, couple of months or whatever the, yeah, you know while it's doing that, I just live off the, the rest of you know income from, from paradigm. Mm-hmm. Or from savings and stuff, so that way you know if I quit in April or whatever, at least I've put away everything I <laughs> could for that year. <laughs> yeah you got the full full benefit there well, you know
1: the one thing that i was I was talking to my advisor about, which was kind of a value at least you have to figure out what where the values should be and where they are, but I was talking to him about wanting to invest in commercial real estate, you know that I wanted to long term kind of move into Commercial real estate where I'd buy property, you know like my first property that I would own would be uh, a building for my company to work in you know it doesn 't necessarily have to be you know a ten million dollar property maybe it's a one hundred and thirty thousand dollar house that's big enough for us to work in uh, but until we move you know instead of my rent going to somebody else, my rent that I'd be paying anyway, would be paying off this house and then right. moving on to commercial real estate and so on and so forth until I had enough that maybe I could buy a multi-tenant building and maybe I live in a or work in a part of it and then rent out part of it until I've got a, you know, and that keeps snowballing to more and more real estate properties. Right. And you know, he said, well, you know, I don't want to talk you out of real estate I said, but you know, you could, you know, if you were putting that money. Of course, he's a funds guy. I mean, that's what he does. He want he makes money if you have money in funds, not it if you have money. Thing. It's a yeah, hammer. yeah, it's a hammer. If you don't use the hammer, don't you looks like a nail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but to to his point, you know, he was saying, well, you're there's time involved even with commercial real estate with dealing with that for making that passive income you know, there's, there is work involved with getting that passive income and there is, you can't just hop into commercial real estate. It's not like residential where you can mortgage up to 90% of the value. Maybe it's not that maybe it's 80. I don't, I don't know. I haven't mortgaged. I haven't got a mortgage on a house in over 20 years or whatever now, Mm -hmm. but like with commercial it's you pretty much got to have close to fifty percent up front on that property. well, I don't have three million dollars in cash to buy a six million dollar you know multi tenant building huh. where uh you know so if I were saving up cash for that three million dollar mm-hmm. building or you know something
0: you loan your five bucks if it helps <laughs> if
1: it if it helps well, what I you know in the funds world i you know I could just be putting money in. the. I can just put money in the funds, whatever it is, and keep funding. And that money can be growing rather than I'm having to save up so much to get this chunk to pay 50% of a mortgage. And then it's growing on top of that. Right. So it, it, his argument, which he wasn't really argument, he was just saying, well, keep in mind that it is really easy to Buy funds, you know, and there's no, you don't have to have so much of it up front. And you you could put in funds and then take the yeah. money out later.
0: Well, you could also buy in a, a real estate fund, right? Mm-hmm. You yeah. Know, you buy a fund that invests in real estate and you could buy a gold fund and stuff. Yeah. So, I and mean, that was what they were telling me when I was looking at, you know, I said, like, boy, I really like my Amazon stock. And they said, well, if you look at, you know, the fund contents, you'll see that Amazon is pretty well represented there. <laughs> so it's like okay, I don't have, you know, 100% of my stock in Amazon, but I've got, you know, some uh-huh. of it in Amazon. So mm-hmm. Anyway, I don't know. I might um I might have to give them a call and just uh give them a chance to defend themselves, but uh I'm kind of like, eh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Um that's that's fun. the uh the last individual stock or anything that I bought. I haven't bought any fun I mean everything I buy now is funds, but the last one I bought was uh uh Bitcoin and Ooh. and I lost fifty percent of that. <laughs> no, I lost sixty percent of that. Yeah. Uh, so
0: it's um Bitcoin's been you know, the last couple of months it's been coming back up a little bit. But um yeah. I don't. Uh, so, so just so it's kind of funny. The 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 author I men, men, mentioned there, he does not recommend you know real estate investment or cryptocurrencies. <laughs> so just just <laughs> putting that out there.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it goes. Yep. I mean, I didn't lose a I didn't lose a lot of money. I mean, any money lost is money lost. But you know. Eh.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, anyway, I'm looking at, um, you know, if, if I do decide to scrap the, the TD Ameritrade investor thing, I'm looking at the um, Vanguard Target 2045 and the um, Schwab Target 2045. And is that? Exactly the years I plan to retire, but I've oh, okay. giggled those a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm also considering taking my, my parents' stocks, I mean, because they're really heavily invested in Apple right now. Mm -hmm. which, you know, knock on wood, it's been doing great, but uh, wondering if they wouldn't be better with like a, you know, target 2015 fund, which at this point would be mostly bonds because it's mostly for, you know, like asset preservation. Yeah. So I don't know.
1: Yeah. It's hard to know that. I mean, if you only had your crystal ball and you could see exactly when the bite right time to, Hey, Harry Potter has a crystal ball. I was just going to say,
0: speaking of Harry Potter, (laughs) where is he when we need him? All right. Let's get back to the script, shall we? See what other things are we talking about? So we've talked about being rich. And, um, oh, yeah. So that was my nifty. I also have a not-so-nifty. Not the not-so-nifty. Not-so-nifty. So here on my desk right now, I have four computers, seven screens, and not counting the iPhone. So eight screens or five computers, if you, depending on how you count the iPhone. Mm-hmm. Um, three of them are laptops. One is a full on desktop. And I don't necessarily want a KVM switch, mm-hmm. right? I like, I want all the screens active and all their, you know, them doing all the stuff but I would like it if I could switch my mouse and my keyboard and just keep my hands on the same thing. Yeah. Even if I have to turn my head to look at a different screen, I'd like to be doing that. Now to that end, I sometimes use a uh, commercial product called ShareMouse, hmm and, um, Essentially it is a, uh, you know, it's an app, it's a KVM sharing thing. So it lets you basically extend your desktop across multiple screens and you can control any of multiple computers from any other's computers, mouse or keyboard. So if I put my hands on the laptop keyboard... I can scroll the mouse from the laptop up to my desktop and start doing stuff, or I can take my hands off the laptop, and put it back on the main keyboard and main mouse and control vice versa. Right. So It's pretty cool when it works <laughs> on wireless. Sometimes it tends to be a little laggy, but I have, mm-hmm. you know, mostly ethernet connections for stuff where I need it. So that's not usually a problem where it is a problem is with my work PC which when, uh, when, I mean, the, the, the hospital PC, as opposed to the Paradigm PC. The Paradigm PC, since everything's distributed into the cloud and stuff, isn't really a problem. But the work PC, since everything is, you know, in healthcare, everything's way more secure if it's behind our four walls. Mm-hmm. I have to VPN into wow, the hospital. Wow. And when our VPN does not, uh, it, it does split tunneling. So essentially you can't talk to anything on your local area network you mean it, it does not do
1: split tunneling
0: does not do split tun- thank you <laughs> so it is yeah there's no split it is one single tunnel and everything's going out through it which means i cannot do the mouse sharing unless i was to allow incoming share mouse connections from the hospital public ip range in through my firewall and route them into my desktop, which I'm sure would be super fast. Oh yeah, super fast. And sending all of my mouse clicks and my keyboard strokes, you know, <laughs> a few hours away over the internet or, you know. So yeah, awesome. So I'm not doing that. So I looked online for a couple of KVM solutions. And the first one I found, I took it, looked at the box and realized that's not what I want. And I sent it back because it was uh, powered by uh, all the data and everything was sent over the VGA cables. A mm-hmm. um, mm, Couple of my laptops don't have VGA ports <laughs> anymore. <laughs> nope. So I say, all right, let's look a little more closely. So this time I found one, it's called the, uh, I think it's a Sabrent, mm-hmm. uh, that's the name. And it's just a USB device. Uh, sharing thing, so it's essentially a three-port hub. One of the the device that you want normally would want to share that would normally plug into the back of your computer plugs into this hub, and then it has two outputs which plug into two different computers, and it's got a single button on it. So my idea was the keyboard would stay there, and then if I had to use the mouse on one of the laptops, I can just use the trackpad. That's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, but that's not bad because like when I use the trackpad, I have to take my hands off the keyboard anyway. Or yeah. if I use the mouse, I have to take my hand off the keyboard. So I don't mind moving a hand to swipe, you know, a trackpad or, or move a mouse or, uh, you know, a trackball like I have. But having to like physically pick up and move over to a different keyboard all the time, I don't yeah. like that. You know, so that, 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 that's what I'm trying to avoid. The thing doesn't work. I have a feeling it might be faulty um, because on both systems that I plugged it into both my work laptop in its docking station and my main um, HP desktop, whether I plugged it directly into the USB port or into a powered USB hub, it reported that this device is drawing too much power. Okay. Huh. And it when I would well, it, yeah, you say, oh, well, it should be. A, well, I, I figured, okay, if it needs power, well, I'm plugging it into the USB docking station for one. And the other one, I plugged it into a, the powered port on one of my uh, USB 3 anchor USB hubs. And it yeah. still gave the same notice. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to, it's Amazon. I'm just sending it back. And they yeah. offered me, oh, you could talk to an expert. And so I was like, you know, <laughs> I, just, I just don't have time for this right now. I'm just yeah. like,
1: <laughs> I'm not spending $15 of troubleshooting this. Yeah,
0: Exactly. <laughs> I was like, you yeah, know, I'm, I'm kind of tempted to buy another one to see if it works, if I just had a dud. But I was like, you know what? Right now, it's just not a high priority. So so I would like to, and, you yeah, know, I even read them. I Get this. <laughs> I read the manual. Oh, my. I know. It wasn't much of a manual. But, like, they even show, you know, like, share a KVM, share, you know, share your keyboard or whatnot. Um, And uh, they they say stuff like, well, you know, we don't recommend that you do high voltage or high power things like printers or scanners. I was like, it's a keyboard. And I'm not talking (laughs) about, like, a super mega gaming, you know, Optimus Prime keyboard. It's a Doc hp 101 key usb keyboard plain yeah. and simple
1: no no even extra programmable buttons just buttons
0: Dada. now the fanciest thing on this is a function key so that you could have like volume controls and pause play stop controls along the f keys that's it nice <laughs> so a not so nifty not but so I different. see that I could, so it cost 15 bucks for me on Amazon, fourteen ninety nine. but I could buy it renewed and save $3. <laughs> I get the exact same one that I'm sending back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I wonder
1: if it's part of the Chinese embargo.
0: That must be it. <laughs> They're like, <laughs> that must be what happened. You charge me 25%. You don't get 25%
1: <laughs> of the <this> circuitry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love it. <laughs> the other thing, I mean, what I was looking for also was just something really small. You know, yeah. I just want it small because it's going to sit on my desk. And um, so I'm looking at another one. You know, there's another one. It's got four, four and a half stars on Amazon, 75 customer views, a four-port mm. USB 3 sharing, you know, four-port par- four peripheral on-off switcher.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So I got to double check. I think that means four peripherals go into it. And uh, yeah, and it shares between two PCs. Ideally, I'd rather share two peripherals among four PCs. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I have. That is my actual setup here on the Mm -hmm. desk. Um, But anyway, even, you know, 99% of the work I do is between my main paradigm desktop and my, hospital laptop so really those are the two that i'm interested in Mm -hmm. so maybe i'll try another one Mm -hmm. and uh i'll report on that uh next week
1: well i got two things and i'll try to be real quick
0: (laughs) i know we've run really long for an unplanned episode an unplanned Uh, episode where we're running short on time right (laughs) yeah yeah microsoft
1: has finally got their linux uh part running in windows 10 where they allow the installation of linux
0: yes that the including the bash shell and everything that's all included Mm
1: -hmm. so i saw that that that's interesting i haven't done anything with that but i'm interested to see what to do with that but speaking of the chinese embargo so while i was talking to my financial advisor i asked him you know he had written a document up about this and do you know that Prior to um, income, or prior to the income tax that we pay annually, there there was no income tax, and where they were getting that money was embargo taxes. So, by doing this, we're kind of you know the government. Because I, I asked him, I said, "Who's getting all this money?" I mean, if we're charging the embargo tax, who's getting the money? Well, the government gets the money. Well, all they did before was uh, they stopped charging the embargoes and then started the income tax so that we could pay to keep the government running with the IRS. So I think what he's trying to do is give us tax cuts by doing these additional charges, but it's a net, it's a net zero. We're not going to make any, we're not going to get any more of our tax money back. We're just going to spend it elsewhere.
0: So you think it's a, a zero sum game? We're not, uh, you know, it's not going to really affect much in the way of things?
1: No, I don't think so. Uh, now there is, because it then, it, what it does is it spreads it around to where it changes it. You know, it's now a consumer based tax because the embargo is affecting, things purchased from China. Well, my TV's affected, or, you know, from China. Well, if I buy that, you know, then I'm going to pay the embargo that gets processed, whatever. So I can choose not to buy a new TV. I mean, or, or I can buy an American TV or, uh, or a Korean or, or whatever, uh, but I can choose not to pay that tax if I don't want to. but (laughs) yeah Uh, but then you can also you know in typical tax fashion the consumer pays for it you know from my standpoint from a business standpoint you know my advisor's like well then you know you could benefit as a service company because you know people will be not buying new equipment they'll be repairing them i'm like dude it doesn't work that way anymore you know it no, but you can't fix a computer. I was
0: just going to say, you're going to get, get computer repair.
1: Yeah. Yeah, computer repair doesn't exist. Uh, because that was the
0: thing that bugged me. One of the things that bugged me about Robin Robbins and stuff, always talking about her marketing, and I'm like, oh, yeah, if people are looking for computer repair. I'm like. These people don't know what the hell they're looking for. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh,
1: But those are the ones we have to sell to. (laughs) So all that. So it was more interesting, uh, you know, because I'm not going to pay more taxes. My clients are going to pay more taxes on those things. Uh, And then their customers are going to pay more taxes because – you know, their computer costs more, their whatever costs more. So it costs them more to do business. So it costs more for the, you know, the, the, the service. So I don't think it really changes anything. It just uh, changes the names and how things go and shakes it up and makes, you know, taxes less predictable so that people who are playing the system will have to, you know, adjust and make their game different. I mean, no offense to our, president but i'm sure he benefited somehow i mean he is a very wealthy man all all on his own i mean Uh he has he he has to make some sort of gain out of this i mean Uh and you know i would like small business to make some kind of gain out of this as well uh but it sure seems you know sure seems like there's a lot of people out against the small business considering
0: No. (laughs) Well, on that note, I don't know about you, but I've got work I need to get back to. Yep. I've got my small business is waiting on me. Mine as well. (laughs) And a big business, too. So if you would like to get in touch with us and leave us some feedback, Adam, how can they do that?
1: We would like to hear your feedback. And if you would like to discuss a particular topic, we would like to entertain discussing that topic. Maybe. I mean, no, really. Uh, drop us a line at www.blurringthelinespodcast.com. You can send us a contact email; it'll get to both Peter and me, and we'll uh, we'll chat you up. So, with that, it's time to hit the big
0: red button. button. To contact either us or our guests, visit blurringthelinespodcast.com. If you like what you're hearing. Do us a solid and subscribe to our podcast and leave us a five-star review in iTunes, Google Play Store, or wherever you found us.